This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry scoops. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Forever Mighty Post Game Show. It's myself and Steven on the mics tonight covering what was an exciting game for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Steven, how are you doing tonight, man? I am great. As a lifelong uh, Vegas Golden Knights fan, <laughs> I think tonight was the kind of effort and consistency that you want to see from a team that has uh, championship aspirations. And I think we can be excited about uh, the depth and uh, some of the players that have stepped up. So oh, I boy. think we're on a we're on a good uh, we're on a good ride here. The season's winding down. The Knights are getting ready for their big playoff push. Very excited. This was a really tough game to uh, for the for us Ducks fans, obviously. Uh, John Gibson basically being fed to the Wolves all night. Uh, just what a wonderful game for him to come back to. Uh, he had over a 920 save percentage, let in four goals tonight. Kind of tells you how bad he got shelled. But uh, this, I mean, honestly, I, I don't really want to dig too much into the game tonight just because we all saw what happened and it was atrocious. But this really is just, if you were excited about the uh, the games against the Sharks, and we all were. They were fun. Um, this just really tells you where the franchise is at when it comes to like elite-level teams. We've got a long way to go. And, yeah, you can have a flop here and there. I'm not trying to say the Ducks are always going to be this bad all the time. But just watching this game, it's just kind of like, holy hell, this is this is bad. This is bad. So, if anything, this just lets you know to be comfortable with a rebuild because this is exactly what the team needs to do is, is to get started on on stacking different ways of being competitive again. Yeah, I think uh, I think you said it really well that, uh, you know, having the gap being so huge between the Ducks and the elite, elite teams, right? Because Vegas is in that top four or five teams, I think we kind of would all agree. And, you know, the Ducks had two good games against the Sharks. The Sharks have, you know, uh, terrible goaltending and a bad team, but they have a couple of players that can be exceptional for moments. And so I think, um, you know, you can kind of see how certain players can play well. Like, you know what I mean? Like the sharks aren't good, but they have good players every year, like little spots. So like when the team plays well, you can see some of the flashes of what the team can look like in a good game. But then you play a team that's good, you know, one through 20 and it just shows you truly how far away you are from being in in the race legitimately. But 
I mean, we have some great pieces on this team. You're absolutely right. But we have some great pieces on this team that I think a lot of teams, maybe all of them would be jealous to have in Drysdale and Zagris being at the top of that list. We saw a really strong uh, showing from Stolarz. So it, it's, it's been some, some tough times, but we do have a lot to look forward to. It's mm-hmm. just going to take some time. We've kind of been saying that all year. Um, I, I got to get your opinion, though, on Hayden Fleury. I know that uh, we kind of all joked amongst ourselves on Twitter about it would be funny if Fleury came here, and I don't think Eddie wanted it to happen or something along those lines. And, and the next thing you know, Fleury's here. Um, but maybe not such a bad thing. I, didn't, I, didn't think he, I don't think he's looked too out of place on this Ducks lineup. Do you? No, I don't think he's looked out of place at all. I think, to be honest, there are more times than not that you don't notice him, which I think for defensemen, like for me, like I, I think I've said it on here before, kind of, but the best thing I think, best compliment you can give a young defenseman is that you don't notice him, you know, and, and I know Fleury is not really young. You know, he's 24 years old. He's uh, he's already on a second contract. He's played a fair amount of of hockey, but he's been buried in the lineup and they're giving him every chance to move up into a lineup into a higher spot and see kind of what he can develop into. Um, and I think it's promising. I think, you know, it's going to take him a little while probably to get his confidence back and to figure out kind of what he's doing, but he's certainly a player, uh, which we'll kind of get into a little bit later as far as the expansion draft is concerned, but he's a player that I, I would be, ex- I'm very excited about for next year and what he can possibly become for the ducks yeah it, it's like i agree with what you said i didn't notice him all that much but for a guy who's new on the squad unless you're scoring a goal i don't really want to notice you all that much if you're playing defense because that's usually mm-hmm. a bad thing um yeah but th- they need all the help they could get right now especially with hampus lindholm being done from what bob murray said it was the rest of the season uh, mm-hmm. how do you feel about the the defensive pair matchups really though with him coming into the lineup I think it's a weird spot. I don't think, you know, I don't know that any of it really makes a whole lot of sense. I think Shattenkirk has been dropped into a, a bottom pair, and I think that he's done well in that role where he can kind of just be a little bit more of a an attacking, roaming player without having to be expected to compete against better line, uh, better players every night. But, you know, not having Lindholm messes a lot of stuff up. I don't think anybody's really sure what anybody is um you know they just lost hawk and paw um which as much as that's not a huge thing i think the gap between hawk and paw and walensky is sizable um you know what i mean so like i i don't know i think you know maybe you hope that next year you're looking at a a lindholm drysdale flurry manson top four and then you put but, Fowler with Shaft. Shat and Kirk on the bottom, yeah. I don't I don't know. I don't know if they're comfortable doing that. I don't know if they can sell that to that group. You know, Cam definitely has a, a respected leadership position within the team and within and the organization. Honestly, he hasn't looked that bad on a really bad team lately. I, I hate to say it. No, no, no. I don't think he's looked <laughs> He just I, hasn't I, looked terrible. He really hasn't. No, he's looked he like hasn't. a pretty good hockey player, uh given I, the circumstances. I, I yeah, it. I said this last year and I got a little bit of shit for it and that's fair, I guess. But like, it does make me nervous that his two best seasons have been two of the worst teams he's ever played on. And I think like, I don't know. That just makes me nervous is that the fact that he doesn't look like he got better, but the team around him definitively got worse. And so he looks better now. That makes me very anxious. Um, Uh. I definitely think he has, 
responded well to the type of hockey Dallas Akins is trying to have them play. Because I do think there's something to... Uh, I think there's something to the fact that it, that window also coincides with when Akins came in. The team was bad before that. So I, I do think you can say... Um, that Akins has gotten more out of Fowler than maybe we've seen, but I, I, you know, he's at the age right now where I wonder how much room for him, how much improvement he can make. I think a fair assessment um, for the majority of this team is we have a group of guys now that are being put in situations to play top end roles against top end competition, and they're probably just under that mark on the high end, right? And then when you scale that mm-hmm. down, it just becomes progressively a little worse. And so that's why we've been exposed a lot, and that's just been over the course of seasons. We've 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 all know the road that we've been on here with free agents and and trades and all that kind of stuff, and aging players and contracts and all that. Just kind of what happens. We get it, but I still feel a little bit like we're behind the curve. I mean, it was great to get Drysdale, it was great to get Zagris, but uh, that's why I was so upset on our trade deadline episode because I'm like, it's just, it's, you just need some guys to slot in that maybe you don't need elite. You're not going to go out and get elite guys all the time. They don't, it just doesn't happen. Right. But to, to, to see something where that's going to change a little quicker would have been something that would have been a little more um, <clears throat> for me to, to digest and not be so upset about. Right. Cause I always feel like we're like, Oh, he's not really a number one defenseman, but <laughs> he is on our team or, you know, yeah. he's not really a number one winger. Like, Ricard Raquel's not a top-line winger, in my opinion, unless you put him with, like, a grade-A top-end center so gets right. in his prime makes a lot of sense. I just feel like kind of like that's my opinion on the team right now, so it's, t- it's tough to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think we've talked about it kind of in a bunch of different ways, and we've kind of always arrived at the same thing, which is what you have is a roster full of middle talent, which is perfectly fine. Uh, but it's not really going to get you anywhere in the long run because, as we've seen, what makes the difference is the high-end talent. And unfortunately for the Ducks, you know, the best player on the team is a goalie. And while that can make a huge difference, it can't make a difference. It's weird that it can make a difference every night, but the reality of it is is you have to do stuff at the other end, which is what makes it being the goalie being your best player a problem. Um you know, I think you can look at Terry and Lundestrom and Comtois and, you know, you see what these guys are going to be. And you're like, OK, I can see where they but, fit but in. But those are like team. higher end middle six guys, right? Right. But that's my thing, right? So it, it actually you made me think about it. Or you said a, something earlier that made me think of it, which is like it's kind of like for the first time we can see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. And so because Drysdale and Zegris have come in and they've done so well and they've so clearly shown that they are of a caliber to be difference makers, potentially like legitimate difference makers. um, I think that gives you that little bit of hope you need. Right. And, you know, hopefully you get another good pick this year and that guy can kind of step in. And so now what you have is this high end core that you're starting to build you know, and you hope maybe those guys are ready sooner as good players. And then your older, you know, the guys that right now need to be good, get a little bit better, right? Like Jones and Lundestrom. If those guys become legitimate middle six guys, you're in a really good spot. Like if Lundestrom is a viable second line center, I think that's huge. I think that takes a ton of pressure off 
of the rest of the pipeline. No, for sure. I can't. I mean, I can't disagree with you on that at all. We're like a few pieces away of high end talent, right? So that's why we all are hoping for the tank, right? You and I are hoping for the tank. I mean, we mentioned in our pre-show talk. I'm excited for the Kings games coming up because there's a lot of them to end the season, and hopefully they're nasty. And I don't think they will be necessarily nasty. They kind of haven't been over the last few years, but I would love it. I'd love it was like a like a, a shit end playoff vibe, where like, hey, we're some of the yeah. worst teams in the league. Let's beat the hell out of each other and have fun. <clears throat> I just don't really see it, but uh, I'm pretty excited about those games. But in actuality, plummeting this team to the bottom of the barrel is the hardest thing to ever want as a fan, but is maybe the most important thing for this team <laughs> to get really high picks as much as we can right now and do the best we can with them. So we've talked about the tank now for two years, two years, three years. Mm-hmm. Got really good players last year. I mean, I'm really hoping that this year we're able to pick up somebody else. Um, I wish we had our draft gurus on the show, you know, but uh, you know a lot about prospects more than I do. Is this draft defense heavy? That's the word I kind that, of was heard floating around. That seems to be the rumor. The two kind of ways I've heard that this draft has been characterized is uh, defense heavy and quote unquote weak, which is less about it being weak and more about there not being a definitive top handful where, or, you know, a top couple, two or three, maybe this feels very much like a, uh, a year where the top seven or eight could go in any order. And I think it didn't feel like that last year. And that's still kind of what happened. So it should be especially interesting to see kind of what this draft turns out to be. But you're right. I think, you know, I think the thing is just kind of look, it's like looking, it's like making a plate, right? Like we have all these kind of great sides and we have absolutely no main course. And that's what you're hoping kind of becomes the next step, right? Is that Zegras and, Dreesdale and whoever they take, you know, whether it's Beniers or Luke Hughes or Owen Power or whatever. That's the only guy I know. That guy right there. Yeah, he's big. <laughs> he's supposed guy. to be like Pronger-esque, I guess. Oh, uh, one of my favorite all-time hockey players, let alone Ducks, is Chris yeah, Martin. Truly the greatest. Uh, so nasty. He's such a bastard on the ice. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I think you got to hope one of these guys is, is the real deal. And, you know, like half of them go to fucking Michigan. So, um, true. <laughs> the, so the other funny. Th- <laughs> go ahead. I was just saying it's so funny that like half of them go to Michigan. It's so wild to me. Oh, what I was going to get at here is uh, I haven't said much about him, but uh, Volkov, surprisingly good. I got some I got some crap on Twitter because uh, I know everyone bagged, you know, I was bagging on everybody about uh, Bobby not doing anything, but he did get Volkov, and Volkov has been scoring. Kind of weird how he's been playing with players who aren't scorers. Like, I just see him out there on the fourth line a lot. Kind of interesting uh, lineups there, no? For a guy yeah. who can bury it? I, I, I think the thing with Volkov is he kind of has a game that I think he can kind of play with anybody. And he's got a big body on him, and so I think it makes him easy. It makes it easier to drop him farther down the lineup than some of your other guys. You know, I, I know you're not his biggest fan, but I think you can understand why you'd be more excited to put Volkov on a fourth line than Troy Terry or Sam Steele. You know what I mean? I mean, this is the thing that's been hesitant to play. You know, Dan Heinen on the fourth line. Mm. So being able to take a big forward who can play either wing. 
makes a lot of sense. I, I think Volkov's been nice. He's been a good piece, you know? He's kind of what you're hoping the flurry trade is, right? Which is that you're like, oh, this is a good piece, which is good. But it's still frustrating because you know the rest of what it's supposed to be a piece of is missing. Brett says, why not drop Jones and give Volkov a chance up top? I say never. Uh, just no. I like Jones so much. I'm not going to give a Russian a chance at the top one. Sorry. Uh, I think <laughs> that that is the right way to look at it, which is... No, 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 no. I no, think Brett's it's the right, right. way to look at it as far as Volkov and Jones are similar style players and them being third forwards who are going to go to the net. Um, I think if Volkov is the real deal, then I think you're actually better suited uh, keeping him on a second or third line and allowing him to elevate that line. Uh, you know, like if you have like a Volkov Lundestrom Terry line, you know, next year, I, I think that has some potential. Um, it'd, be, it'd be interesting. It'd be fun to watch, you know, but if he can do that, I'd rather him be there and play Jones, uh, higher in the lineup, uh, to be that third forward, that aggressive four checking forward on a line with two skill players, you know, maybe a Perot and a Zegris or something like that. I want to talk about uh, goaltending here for a second. So Stolarz has been killing it. Uh, he's looked great, uh, especially comparatively from um, like when we first saw him. I think the last game against the Sharks, his last couple of games against the Sharks, just freaking outstanding. Um, I know Gibby was itching to get back in the game tonight, and I'm, I don't know if he regretted it or enjoyed it because he, he did see a lot of pucks. But uh, is it safe to say that Stolarz plays the NHL next season? And it's uh, it's bye-bye Miller, Stolar's time, backing up Gibby? Oh, man, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's so hard to know because if the team is competitive next year, I think you've got a shot. I think, you know, Eddie has kind of been talking about this on Twitter a little bit, that people are concerned Stolar's might get taken in the expansion draft. Mm. But there are There's a lot of veteran players. goalies on there, though. Yeah, and... You know, guys who can who are more more established and have a higher level of play. So I I don't think that's a concern. I definitely think he, he's got the inside track to be the backup next year. I don't think Ryan Miller's coming back. I don't think so either. Um. So I I do think that there's the opportunity there, but I think it's also worth remembering that Anthony Stolarz is like 29 years old. There's no way to no know. No way. Is he really 29? He's like, I swear, dude, he's like 28 or 29. I think he's 20, 26. That's what I'm going for. Anthony Stolarz. 27. Damn it, he just turned 27. 27. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but, like, you know, I just think you might have three or four more years of him being this, you know, potentially high-end backup but he could also turn back into a pumpkin. You never know with goaltenders and there's no way to know what has caused him to play so well, this quick run. But I do think, um, you know, he's got the inside track right now. I think it's certainly his job to lose, but I don't think it's a given that he's the guy next year. So Brett and Chad says, if Stolarz got taken in the draft, that's like the perfect scenario. Who's worried and why are they stupid? How do you feel about that? I think that that's probably fair. I think, you know, 
that there I mean I would argue that a more perfect scenario would be one of the big three bad contracts getting taken but <laughs> what would those no. be <laughs> yeah right if I don't know if I could think of them off the top of my head mm. but you know I think that they're that's the perfect is scenario, one of them but uh, I can... Sam Cowler I think his name is <laughs> Samuel uh, but I just, you know, I, I, I can see why Stolarz has been a bright, a bright spot in this season, right? Mm-hmm. He's, especially the last couple of games when it has definitely felt a little brutal uh, in this last, you know, two, three weeks, I think has been really kind of harsh. So I, I definitely get why people are excited about him, but I don't think, you know, I don't think he's making or breaking next season. And I don't think losing him in the expansion draft is enough of a concern to make me do something stupid as far as trading a pick or a prospect to protect him, right? No. So, do you want to do you want to hop into uh, to, to some expansion draft talk, or do you want to do you want to talk so, about? Yeah, I actually kind of wanted to talk to you about this because you know it, it kind of ties into a question that we got uh, as a post game question, but also it ties into the the flurry and the Volkop trade. You know, those guys both play positions that. Oh, the, the are... question from Caitlin. Do you think the Ducks yeah. make bigger moves after the expansion draft? No, the one I think is from Sea Monkey, where it's uh, do Mahura and Gooley end up in a playoff, mm. basically? So I, I think the Ducks are in an interesting spot where they can potentially lose a good player or an NHL player. But I also think that there are five or six guys at that level who if any one of them goes i don't know that it's a huge deal um but I, it's just interesting because you've got volkov and flurry who you just got brought in and so like do, like i think that you have to protect flurry you just traded for him okay so are you going seven three and one or are you going eight and one for me i would probably go seven three and one okay and I think for me, well, here, let me ask you this. Where are you at on that? Do you have any? Um, well, obviously, God, actually, it's not obvious. Um, the defense is the hard part. That's mm-hmm. the hard part for me. The, the Ford group's easy to select. It's, it's the three defensemen I'm keeping. And, and taking a look at this here, um, I would definitely say I'm going to save Hampus. And I would probably also say that I save Hayden Fleury. And then after that, I I don't know. Honestly, I'm trying to think of who I would take between Fowler, Manson, Larson, Gooley, Walensky, Mahura, and Carrick. And my instinct is to take Mahura. Um, mm. But I also, I as much as I don't think Josh Manson's been great, I do like him as a player, and that's kind of like mm-hmm. the you know the uh, the fan side of me is like eh, you want to keep that guy around. He's he's a fun guy to watch. But looking at this from if I had to, like put myself in a in a situation where I wasn't a fan, looking at this team, um, I would probably either save honestly Mahura or Shattenkirk. Just just looking at that, I would probably that's what I would probably do. Interesting. <clears throat> Who are you saving at this point then? <clears throat> I think I think for me. Uh, that it is Lindholm, Manson, and Flurry at this point. 
So we were close. Like I was, yeah. I was, I was Manson or or, uh, or Mahara, just because of Mahara's mobility. I liked, I liked the mobility mm-hmm. of, the, of, the, of defenders. I I do too. I think the thing that's interesting is Mahara and Gooley are pretty comparable players, and so I think you can lose one or the other. If I had to pick off the top of my head, I would probably say Mahara over Gooley. Well, um, Gooley was great when he first came here. Then we just haven't seen him. Yeah, right? he was injured. Then went to went to the AHL and. Is he still hurt now? I think he's still hurt right now, yeah. Okay. Um, he's faking six as the show for work. You know, you don't exactly. want to play for the Ducks. Hey, I don't blame him. <laughs> Asset management, baby. <laughs> you know, but then, like, I, I, you know, so I think that's kind of where I'm at on that. I think you just traded for Flurry and you actively didn't trade Manson. I think those two guys have to be protected. Um, and I think Lindholm's the easy one. And you know, the degree to which it's safe because uh, Comtois, Drysdale, Zegris, all those guys are automatically uh, exempt. So that saves you. Like, I think the thing that Ducks are in a good spot for is, like, all of the super important players that you have to keep, either there's only one of, Gibson, or there just isn't a run on the numbers. Like, a lot of these guys are, like, a couple of these guys that are real difference makers are exempt. So I think Anaheim is in an interesting position. They are, especially in the forward group, right? So uh, I would assume that, and maybe I'm wrong, but I would assume your seven forwards that you're going to save here would be Silverberg, Raquel, Heinen, Terry, Lundestrom, Jones, and Steele. I honestly, I don't know that I would save. I don't know. Let me say this. I don't know that I would protect Silverberg right now. Who else would you save over him? Sonny Milano? I, I don't... I mean, Volkov, Blatteri. I think it'd be Volkov. I think I would do Volkov. You two Volkov over him? Okay. Because I think Silverberg and Henrik and Cam Fowler are the three guys you hope that they take. But I also don't think that there is a huge inclination to do that. So I think you have to expose them knowing they likely won't get taken and then protect the guys you have the most faith in. And I think because Volkov does fit that role as a very solid utility player with some high-end scoring upside, I don't want to say high-end, but, like, you know, above average. Like, I think... He could be a 10 to 15 goal guy. I think he could be 20 to 25 goal guy. Oh, okay, with the right guys with him. Yeah, with the right guys and in the right system. I don't think he's getting there on his own, but I think he has the potential to get there for a couple of years. So so Chris Smith said in our chat real quick, I don't want it to go away. He, he thinks there's not enough offense on defense without Fowler. And he also says, I imagine Manson getting traded, which is not far-fetched. There was rumor out there that Carolina and Bob Murray were looking at a deal for Manson. It kind of just fell through. If Manson was traded and you don't have to protect him, who you take, who you who are you protecting at that point if you don't have to protect him? Do you take Cam? It's such a big contract. Probably, yeah. I would probably protect Cam. Um, One of those guys is not leaving. There's there's too much leadership back there, honestly, and that plays a big deal in in locker rooms. You can't just blow up the whole thing as much as we play around with. Or any of that, I think, you know. Like, like, honestly, like, it's just kind of a hard spot for me to be in because I am a little down on Cam. I have been for a while now. And so, you know, my thought about going out of your way to protect a mediocre player on a bad contract, 
you know, I'm not, I don't feel great about making that decision, but I do think when you factor in the human element, I do think you actually have the potential to get a lot out of keeping Cam Fowler as far as culture and, um, you know, the way that you are viewed and taking care of your own and things like that, you know. Uh, Eric Stevens mentioned in his most recent organization, his recent article, like the organization does pride itself on home growing talent. You oh, know, they, 100%. they're not, that's the way they're, they know they're going to get their guys, you know? Um, so that means a lot to them. And I, I think, you know, they, they took a hit and they feel that they took a hit by buying out Perry. So I would be very hard pressed to think that they go out of their way to move Cam Fowler. It's yeah, that's true. Um, the other part of it too is, and I know I always I always like to shit on the the culture of hockey when the the locker room and stuff, but it <laughs> it's more for me to, to 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 get a rise out of people. I don't love it as much as I think hockey guys love it because when you talk about like the you know oh he's he's been in nineteen hundred playoff games and this and this and right. this, but now he's playing the fourth line and and he plays three minutes, but he's a locker room guy. But if he's eating up that kind of contract space, like I don't I don't really think that's necessary. But that's just an outsider looking in on it, but. It does suck if you uh, lose a bunch of your best friends and you have to go to work every day with a bunch of guys you don't like. Like there's, a, like there's a certain aspect to being in a locker room where you have to like the people you're around and want to be there all the time. Uh, there's a part to that. So I, I could definitely see if there is a natural uh, leadership role being developed in some of these guys that we don't know about when Getz mm-hmm. is gone, that's going to be very important to this team and very important to the guys that are coming up in this in, uh, in, in, uh, excuse me, in our system. So I could definitely see that, you know, these big nasty contracts we don't like. There's probably a reason why these guys have been kept around for so long. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I I think it's it's worth noting that, like, with the exception of Derek Grant, and I don't think that's a bank breaker, the bad contracts are mostly for decent players, right? Like, Silverberg, Henrique, and Fowler. On him, Camp Fowler is good. <laughs> Henrique and Silverberg are clearly good. Um, you know, like they have a obvious value that they bring to the team. You know, it's not like he's overpaying for Nick Delorier, right? Like he's not giving Delorier, like he didn't give Antoine Roussel or Jay Beagle a $3 million contract. <laughs> he, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think this is like Jim Benning bad. And I think that that matters. And I think at the end of the day, the one thing that's important to remember is all sports are fundamentally played by people. And as much as, we should make sure we are incorporating as much information and analytics and statistics and all that kind of stuff. I think that's super important. You have to make sure that that's part of way that you're looking at things. Otherwise you're shooting yourself in the foot. It is important to remember that the way that people interact fundamentally changes the way they behave. Yep. And like you said, if there is a group of 20 guys who feel like you have no regard for their lives or their well-being and that you see them all as wholly expendable you are not going to get the best out of it i think you can very easily look at buffalo and the number of people who have left there and turned their careers around and have said how hard it is being in buffalo i don't think that can be ignored um so i do think there are reasons to keep those guys around the questions become how many of those guys do you need? And is it, you know, you have to make sure you're not overpaying for some of those things and things like that. And I understand that. But, you know, I think 
Fowler is more likely to be on this team next year than Manson is. And I think in my eyes, I believe the team to hold them in similar esteem. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. It makes so, a lot of sense. I think, you know, Bob Murray mentioned it that uh, when he when he was on, on his time on the bench, that guys he thought weren't all that good or whatever. He wasn't in a, they weren't in a good light with him. He said down on the bench, he was like, wow, like he didn't give names, but he said some of yeah. these veterans are they're needed on this team. Like the, the people on the bench like them and mm-hmm. they're they're important, you know, to, for the drive and for the mentality on the bench. So it does make a difference. Um, so to answer the question from <laughs> from Sea Monkey, <laughs> do you think it's it's Gouli or Mahura? Uh, I think I still think it's Mahura. Gouli has not looked the same since he first yeah. came over and played with Fowler. And we're like, oh, we finally found a pairing with with Fowler. It's amazing. And then as time's gone on, it's just it's never come back. Whether that's because of injury or whatever, it just hasn't been the same for him. I I think Gouli has more noticeable skills. But I think Mahura seems to be more impactful on a shift by shift basis as far as more regularly being in the right spot, making good decisions, things like that. I think, you know, when you look at Gooley, he's a really good skater. He's a good puck handler. He makes good passes like you can see the things in him that get him drafted. Um, But I think at the end of the day, there are questions about how well he puts all those things together. And so I think with Mahura we've seen a little bit more proof of concept. So I would certainly lean towards him. What about you? Yeah, I, I think Mahura is going to take it. Uh, I yeah. don't think there's a whole lot of competition for him, obviously, with the injury too. So I I, I just like his, his game so far. I don't think he's a top-end defender by any means. In NHL, he's he's probably a 4-5, which is fine. We need yeah, those guys too. Absolutely. I think optimally uh, he's a third-pair guy. I think, you know, Jay Southern said he questions how much they the organization trusts Mahura because he's more offensive than defensive and I I think I would say that I don't necessarily know that that is true I think you can see that he brings offensive upside but I also think um he kind of is falls into that Cam Fowler thing where what he does we think of as being offensive and so like, I, I don't mean to sound silly, but like he's skating and passing is the thing that he's doing, right? He's not generating offense. He's not generating scoring chances. What he's doing is doing the things that get you in the position to then do those things. He's much it, similar he's, to Camp Fowler. Like the term is transition, but like I kind mm-hmm. of get annoyed with that term. I don't know why. It's just one of those things. Um, but I think, you know, he is a much more of a transition type player. And I don't think he's a guy that's going to put up a lot of points, but I also don't think he's a guy that's going to be a liability. No. Um, so. But I can see what you're saying with that. And as far as words that irritate me around a hockey rink, you spend enough time around a rink and you hear people say wheel, wheel, wheel. I swear to God, dude, it's so <laughs> annoying, man. It's so annoying. It's so um. annoying. 
between my daughter playing hockey and being at men's league games and then uh and, you know luckily we're not close enough to hear the players say all the time but like good god dude and whoever sent this to us i think it was dave good god dude i'm so happy no did dave you see it i don't uh, know if everyone could see this but this is what uh dave see it. pull it back no is it better that way yeah i'll tweet it out right now tweet it out right now yeah that's that's hilarious i don't know why i'm in there <laughs> So bad. <laughs> I look so angry at the next generation. <laughs> Shocking. I can't possibly imagine why you would look annoyed with something. <laughs> oh, dude, come on. I mean, it, it, you gotta have you gotta have uh, some some different opinions on the show every once in a while. They had you and Eddie for so long, everyone forgot there was arguing on this podcast. <laughs> We're not allowed to do that. <laughs> it's just me and Eddie just trying to talk the other one into being more depressed. <laughs> you guys had good shows. Um, can we get to the really fun part of the show before we uh, before we try to close it out? Is uh, oh. what Trevor Zagris did last night? Dude. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> okay, so I I would say that I am fairly confident that anybody who is watching this right now or listening follows us on Twitter. If not, please do. We have a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun. I don't know if anybody else enjoys it, but it's a blast. But Eddie put out a clip last night of Trevor Zegras on a breakaway that somehow he stopped skating and the two rain defenders following him never caught him, and he's just dead sticking it. And to be and fair, that was fair. pretty slow-mo-ish. Like, if you watch that in real speed, it wasn't as slow as we think. <laughs> no, but the fact that they didn't catch him, like, is insane to me. And, Pretty like, bad. he puts the puck basically from his, like, from, I don't know, I guess you would say, like, 7 o'clock to 2 o'clock. And he inverts his stick and chips it over the goal. Like, I genuinely cannot properly explain what he does. That is so is cocky. the most insane move I have ever seen. So cocky, dude. Like, he didn't even want to make the effort to go backhand. He wanted to skate away sooner, so he just reaches out and just chips it with the toe of his stick. It, it was one of the craziest beautiful. things. But that was it, awesome. It's and, so arrogant. It's so wonderful. It's such a... It's so so much something that this team is so clearly lacking is that swagger. Um, You know, there's... Like, I think... You know, Getzloff has a little about, and he had a little of that at his peak, but I think he was a little quieter than that. I think Zegris has that kind of charisma like a Solani or a Pronger had, where they're showmen. And I think well, that's yeah. very exciting. That's the new wave coming to the NHL. Like, have some fun. Like, you're scoring goals. Like, I mean, Ovi tried to bring it into the league years ago. When he did the hot stick, remember? And he tried to get, I uh, forget what's his face, to come over and do with him. He's like, I'm not going there, you man. You're on your own. Yeah. And everyone got all mad and said it's embarrassing, all this stuff. It's like, come on. Like, I mean, let even these guys Timu, have fun. Even Timu himself said, himself said that it's like embarrassing in retrospect that he, he got the goal. He threw his, his, uh, his glove up and shot it when he got the, broke the 70, record. In he broke, yeah, that was awesome. It was awesome. And even he said he's embarrassed. It's just the culture, man. It's just the culture. Remember how much shit Thomas Hurdle got for getting four goals in a game? Dude, he's so good. <laughs> so fucking good. It was good. It was great. That's great. It's fun. And then it's like now we're coming to the era, though, where 
this type of stuff is awesome because this means that kids growing up are, are doing all those crazy trick shots that all the old timers are like, no, you can't do that in the game. You get killed. You know, you can't do that. Why are you, why are you stick can like that? You can't do that in a real game. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Sure. Look at all these kids that do that shit and look what they're doing. Like yeah. they're bringing it to the NHL and dominating. It's awesome. Fun. It's you're allowed to have fun and play professional sports. I don't know if anybody knows this, but this is true. You are allowed to enjoy the fact that you're a pro athlete. And it does make it better for everyone else when you look like you're having fun. Oh, totally. It's way more entertaining. And everyone regardless, there was some there was some poor comments on on that tweet. I think it was like a Kings fan who was like, Oh, more like shitty goaltending and shitty defense and I'm like yeah, I guess that's if you, t- you, if you get posterized, yourself, that's fine. That's cool. <laughs> it was it was great. But, I mean, not to be uh, unnoticed, Vinny Letary's pass was pretty sick. And then Vinny Letary cleaned it up in overtime for the goals. So he did a lot of work last night, too. That was nice. Mm-hmm. But, but I- Z's having fun. His goal two nights ago, like, he would just... It was like the the, the 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 shot that he didn't even give a shit about winning. No, he just held one, it, held it, held it, and then ripped that it. Is insane, like the degree to which he did literally as a little body movement as necessary to make that shot, but how perfect that shot was is insane. Mm-hmm. And I honestly like I I think it's worth putting out, um, or worth mentioning that like we've seen a willingness to shoot from him that is is very nice to see because I think, you know, the book on him coming out is that he was very much like Getzloff, which is that his first instinct is to always make a pass and not to shoot. And we've obviously all been frustrated by the fact that Getzloff has an incredible shot and just doesn't use it because he doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. And it's very frustrating to see Zegras so clearly be already of the mind of, like, shooting isn't bad. And so... I have been very, very encouraged by how willing he is to shoot. Uh, it's nice to and see. That was something that there was reason to be concerned at, about him coming out of the draft. I agree, man. And I mean, a lot of it too is is because oh, you see all the all the sick passes he had, right, in junior and in um, in worlds, right? Like he he did he did he just did he went to work. Yeah, he's he's always been the guy to pass the puck like that. But to see him score like this in the AHL is, <laughs> dude, it's just, people are tweeting like he looks so bored. Yeah. And it, it, gives, it gives the appearance that it does, but he's having so much fun. He did the bullseye when he, when he ripped an empty netter against the mm-hmm. rain and the rain were all pissed. I love it, man. All day. Give that. Uh, yeah, Give that to me That's all what day. you want. And especially, you know, for this part of, not to sound like a, you know, a fucking wellness influencer, but like for this part of the journey, like, it is kind of nice to just have something that's enjoyable. Like, you know, there isn't a tangible improvement to the quality of the team, but like, it's just this dude who's really good and who's having a great time. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I'll fucking watch 10 second clips over and over and over to erase the uh, 51 to 16 shellacking the Ducks just took. <laughs> yeah, right. I gotta go. I have to go live on the AHL Twitter to be happy. <laughs> Yeah, it's honestly, it's like, I just need one of those, you know, like in like, uh, what do you call it, like in chemistry class when you have to go stand under the chemical shower. I feel like I need one of those every time I watch the Ducks play, and it's just Zegris gifts. Give it those to just me like all day. Just like the end of Flashdance, it's just me in a chair and Zegris gifts. That'd be your heaven, it'd be the best thing ever. Oh, dude, he's such a blast to watch. It's so much fun. He's he's definitely going to be on this team full time next season. There's oh, there's no, no way. There's, there's no, no way. 
they he should can't be do on the, that to him. He should be on the team full-time right now. I get why he's not. It's fine. Whatever. Uh, real quick, I want to say something. Fucking John Holler, not Hollers, uh, Hazy pissed me off tonight. He made a comment, and, like, I get the comment that he's making, but it, it really did annoy me where they were talking about, you know, the 27 the 27 game threshold and reaching UFA a year sooner and all that shit. Here's the thing. <sighs> Brian Hayward said, when you have a player as good as Trevor Zegers, you want to hold on to them and keep them in the organization as long as possible. So you're not going to give up that free year. I cannot explain how annoying it is to me that the answer to that question isn't build a competitive team and pay the player a competitive salary so that they have a reason to stay. The idea that you need to use every ounce of leverage at the weakest point in their careers to get them to stay is infuriating. And it is so reflective of the kind of big picture roster views uh, that I, or the, you know, the, the way that the NHL treats its rosters and things like that, that I have issues with, like, I'm, you know, I have, I, I, I'm fine with a lot of the classic stuff. I embrace a lot of it. You know, I don't think it was a bad thing to send Z down to work on all that stuff, even if it is clear that he doesn't need it. Like, I'm fine with it, but I just don't like the idea that the reason you should do something is because you have full control over someone's life and you don't want to force yourself to have to be good at your job. Yeah, way to, way to make a guy who's excited to be playing hockey sour Yeah, and then feel like he's going to want to bone you for money that you screwed him on. Like, that's, that's okay, just, right? Just build a good team around him. Mm-hmm. Ryan Getzloff was an incredible talent, and he stayed. So it's not impossible. You can keep these kinds of players in the organization. Team he was allowed back. to become good because he didn't have to step in and be a number one C. Yeah. Right? Like, he didn't have to, and he was surrounded Which, by superstars. I do think we should point out is honestly the the single greatest compliment to Timu Solani is that he was so good he made Andy McDonald a viable number one center. <laughs> yeah, it's very love true. Andy Mack, but he is not a number one center uh, ability wise. But no. he did him and Solani and Kunitz were so good together, um, you know. And then it does help that they had Scott Niedermeyer and Chris Pronger and J.S. Jaguar behind them. What do you mean, huh? That's important uh, <laughs> to have superstars. Like yeah. really, that team <laughs> was just on another level. The, I just from the think rest of the league. But it's guys like Perry and Guest didn't have to take the shine all night. No, exactly. You know, and even as uh, Getsy was getting older, they had Saka Koivu there to help, and uh, Jason Blake, who'd been around for a while. You know, he wasn't that caliber of player, but I think it was very clear that in the little bit of time he did spend in Anaheim, he, he was definitely someone that had a, a presence. So... You know, speaking of past Anaheim players, I really miss Antoine Vermette for slashing referees. That's just want to say that's one of my favorite memories. <laughs> Ten games slashing refs. That's one of the craziest, it's craziest things that's happened in this organization. Is it, honestly, is that more insane than Sean Horkoff getting popped for PEDs? Which, which is, I think was which the is year funny. before. Yeah, I think it was the year before or the year after. It, one of, it might have been the year before. Yeah, because but that was I pretty bad too. For two years, I couldn't believe him that slashed the referee. I was like, "What? What are you doing?" The dumbest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. It's so bad, man. It's so 
if you don't have another topic to hit, I think this is the time where we can ask our chat if they have any questions for us before we wrap. We're approaching an hour in about 10 minutes. Um, and if there is no questions, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up here and, and we'll talk about the, uh, the awesome game that's going to happen on Sunday against the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> so let's get to Caitlin's question real quick while we wait for everybody to type with two fingers. Do you think the Ducks make bigger moves after the expansion draft with some of the players having term left on their deals and teams don't have to protect them? I think that this is very much the case. Uh, in that interview, like we talked about, that or not in that interview, but in that article Eric Stevens wrote, Bob Murray made an, a specific comment to that extent that everybody's kind of waiting for that brief window uh, between the expansion draft and the entry draft because the expansion draft comes before to maybe catch up on some of the work they want to do. I also think that the league will have a better idea of what the salary cap for next year is going to be, how that right. incoming ESPN money is going to help. Uh, plus the expansion fee, um, you know, a lot of that's going to be lost to escrow and kind of catching the league up financially, but hopefully it can have a little bit of a positive if, you know, even if it just raises the cap by a million dollars. Beautiful thing in all this is that the CBA got extended. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> so I, awesome. I definitely think we're going to see a lot of moves once the expansion draft is over and through through the uh, uh, entry draft weekend. So I, I definitely think that's something that will be very fun and, and exciting for Ducks fans, hopefully. You know? I mean, we I might would, get I would agree with again. But I think that's going to happen. I think I don't know if the crazy awesome moves are going to happen that we're all hoping for. Sure. And I get there's a lot of there's a lot of play. Uh, it's not just oh I'm gonna I can do this so I'm gonna do it or I'm not gonna do it. it. There's a lot going on, but I think if there's anything that that Bobby's waiting for is to see where everything else shake out shakes out. I think a lot of GMs um, had their panties in a bunch uh, this this uh, trade deadline and didn't want to do anything because they were scared. Totally get it. Um, Got to give a shout out to Dave. Dave is giving you a lot of props, and it's uh, not nicely, but it is a nice compliment. He asked. Uh, what drugs did you take tonight to have so many great takes? <laughs> he agreed with you all night. Hey, Steven mm. takes performance-enhancing drugs. Those are uh, classified. Yeah. Um, I'm part of the Russian Olympic system. I don't talk about it. <laughs> any UFAs this year the Ducks should sign? Top-line goal scorers would be nice. Is there any top-end UFAs coming around this summer? I don't Absolutely not. I'm not saying that there aren't. Like, you know, they could try to get in on Taylor Hall or something, but it's not worth it. They're not there. You know, if uh, yeah, you know, Hall's not going to Anaheim anyway. He's going to stay in Boston. Yeah, no, I mean, maybe you know they can go out and get someone like a a Kyle Turris or whatever. You know, I I don't think that's completely insane to go get someone like that who can maybe come in and fill a role. But that's predicated on getting some of these other guys out of here. And so I I do think that unfortunately, it's almost a little silly to speculate about UFA signings until we see which of these older guys are gone because until those guys move out, there's no room and there's no reason to bring anybody else in. Uh, so another question, where do you rank Gibby when it comes to all time goalies in the organization? So if we are going by duck's career, I think he is third. Behind Mikhail Schlinkoff and McElhaney. And Ron Tugnut. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I would say that he is third or fourth. Uh, I would say he's right tied around with Jonas Hiller, who was really good for a long time. But I would put Ebert and Jaguar at the top. And 
I think if you're asking me who do I think talent-wise is the most talented goaltender we've had oh, it's in for Anaheim, sure John. It's just for, it's for sure John Gibson. Then it's John Gibson by a lot. Yeah. Um, I think Jaguar was great, but I think Gibson is a full head of talent better than him. No, for sure. He's just playing on a worse team than the guys uh, in front of him on that list, especially Jaguar. Jaguar had a much better team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. Much, much better team. Getzloff, one year or retire? Oh, man. Uh, I think we get a one-year deal. I hope it's longer. I hope, I, he, I I hope he signs a two- or three-year deal. I, I really do. I, I I would like it to be a two- or three-year deal at around three or four million, but I, I would think it might be one year at five, and they see every year where that cap hit goes. Yeah, I just want to see him, uh, you know, not be below a thousand points, right? Yeah, you know, solidify I, his his um, him going to the hall. That would that's one of the one of the factors that, that everyone looks at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although PK got in there being sub that, but he was also one of those dominant wingers during his era. So, right. Kind of also, uh, by the way, Dave, uh, as far as the biggest goalie pad girth goes, that's uh, Steve Shields, who I think was the uh, size of a toddler and his pads were huge <laughs> he was uh, a very slender man and had gigantic goal he was a schmoll boy um so i saw a question earlier i don't i don't remember who said it but i was curious where you, who are you more excited to see develop trevor zegris or jamie drysdale jamie drysdale i think that's easy. my answer too easy for me uh and i love trevor zegris even though i was quoted as saying that his he's a high-end like second line player, You're such a douche. I just that's what I think he is. I think he's going to be a really good second line player. <laughs> Everyone's going to kill me for saying I'm that. Trying dude. I'm trying to think I'm going to die. Of who that is. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a comp for a high end second line. Like that's a 75 point guy. Is that 70 point Landis guy. Scott? Like, I mean, are you not? saying he's Landeskog? Without the size. Well, yeah, it's a completely different game. Oh, for yeah. sure. It, you know, Z's all about speed and deception. It, it's a way different game. Well, look at, Where, okay, so so if he was Danny if he was Landis who wants to bring in Beignet? Beniers, whatever his name is. <laughs> I see everyone's mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> look, I think Z's great. I hope I'm wrong. I just I, I don't I I just think he's gonna be a top end second line guy. Hope I'm wrong. Hope I'm wrong. And if you know, honestly, if I was on this show and 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 uh, you know, sitting here with with Steven and Eddie and Jay and just blowing them all kisses and we all agree together on everything we talk about, it wouldn't be as fun. But honestly, I mean, Landis Scog has 501 points in 674 games. Not bad. It's really good, man. That's really and some good. Some of those seasons were on dog shit. Teams. On dog shit teams. Yeah, not a bad, not a bad player. A yeah. 70 point guy is not bad. 75 no, point guy's I, not bad. So, 30 goal I, guy's not bad. But you're I talking a, number one? I think a you lot say of guys number one, that's a 40, 40 goal score. Or 60, 65 assists, yeah. Yeah, that's I, a lot. I, I think that's... Let me say this. I think that that is where the fan base's expectations are. I think that is where the talent flashes that we have seen suggest he can get 
but I think you are absolutely right in so much as obviously none of it is a given. So, but I mean, that's everyone's right about every opinion. It's all subjective here, right? Like we we just have to figure out. He's not to me. He's better than every other prospect. I say in quotes because he's been on this team for a couple of seasons. But Terry Jones, Comtois. Still, oh, I don't. He's he's leaps and bounds ahead of them. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even close. So to me, I'm not knocking the guy. No, no, no. I, if he puts together a 25 goal campaign next season, 50 points, maybe I'll change my tune. I just want to see where this goes next year. Just yeah. my opinion in watching. I, that's just what I think. So hopefully, I'm wrong. That's that's weird. Dave said something silly. Dave always says silly things. He's completely um, ignoring the fact that Ryan O'Reilly was on that team. <laughs> And I think uh, this one guy named Vladimir Tarasenko, I think he scored 50 goals. He's pretty good. Well, I think that will be it for us tonight, Stephen. I appreciate uh, everyone joining us on a Friday night after a really, really rough loss. But um, <laughs> we'll be back in for this on Sunday. Not sure who's going to be on the show on Sunday. It's a, it's a matinee event. Right? It's a 1 o'clock puck drop time. So we'll have to mm-hmm. figure out when the best time to do the show is. But uh, we'll definitely be on here coming up. And uh, you guys will. Find oh, that's DB, no Dave. Huh? My bad, Dave. Oh, okay. I, didn't I yelled say Dave for DB. <laughs> well, follow us on Twitter if you want to figure out who's going to be on the show and what time we're going live. We'll be on there very soon. And, and, uh, and uh, we have a couple of uh, shows coming up that we're trying to get scheduled right now. And all right, DB, I'll argue about the, with you off this offline. Um, <laughs> but we have a couple of shows where we have them uh, trying to get in the works right now. Some exciting stuff, uh, especially with, uh, you know, the season winding down and Ducks aren't going to be in the playoffs. So Are we working find... on stuff I don't know about? Oh. A little bit, yeah. Nice. Good. Um, you know, and I know Eddie wanted me to plug the uh, we, we're going to do an expansion draft, a deep dive as far as where the team is um, for the expansion draft and stuff as well. So. We're we're very excited about a lot of stuff. So thank you guys, like you said, for coming out on a Friday night. We know it's not everybody's first choice, but we really appreciate you guys being here. Love you guys. Talk to you guys soon. Bye.